Hey friend, I'm Laura Lee, and welcome to Living in the Light. Here on the podcast, we share our stories of how Jesus has brought us from the dark and into His glorious and powerful light. This is a space for you to be encouraged and to remember that your story matters, because with God, even the brokenness has incredible purpose and meaning. I'm here to bring real life to light. We're on season three of the podcast, and this season I'm sharing a story from my own life and ministry, Rise Collective Women. My heart behind Rise Collective Women is that women all over the world are united in Christ, rooted in the Bible, and rising up for the glory of God. Through Bible study resources, cultivating communities, and a network of online discipleship, we strive to multiply women who are resilient followers of Jesus, rising up in their places and spaces all over the world. Now, this story I've been telling this season is about the Rise Collective House here in New York City. It's a vision God put on my heart a few years back, and I'm watching him write this story and unfold the details right before my eyes. And so I decided I wanted to share this unfinished story with you in real time. I'm sharing this in faith, believing God is a God of immeasurably more and trusting that his plan is better than I could even ask or imagine. The Rise Collective House is a year-long discipleship living collective for early 20s women recently out of college or graduate school. The house will serve 12 women, 12 disciples with different career ambitions as they come together in a collective living environment to engage in a program designed to foster a God-centered view of knowledge, relationships, culture, work, and life. If you want to know exactly what the vision is for the Rise Collective House, I want to encourage you to listen back to episode four of this season with Michaela Dane Johnston, where I define the need for the house and share more about what the discipleship program will look like. In today's episode, we are pausing the story to take a moment to lean into something that is vital to our lives as followers of Jesus, and that is prayer. Throughout my journey over the last year with the growth and development of Rise Collective Women, God has taught me so much about the power of prayer and the gift of communicating with Him, the God of the universe. As I have learned about trusting God in this journey so far with this house, I have learned that prayer is the work. When it comes down to it, at the end of the day, our discernment as human beings is so limited. We are inclined to seek after pursuits with our own desires in mind instead of God's desires. And we can so quickly get out of line with the heart of God in whatever we are doing and whatever we're building in our lives. Prayer is where we come to God to seek His will, to surrender our desires to our loving Father, and to ask Him to come and help us do what He wants to do through and in our lives. It's where we can safely and honestly process every emotion and experience we're walking through and where we receive the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. We know that Jesus himself, God incarnate, needed to stay in communication with the Father. And how much more do we as his children need him as we navigate this life and seek to become more like him? So today on the podcast, I've invited Dr. Derwin L. Gray on the show to teach us about what prayer is and to lay some theological foundation for our understanding. Dr. Derwin Gray is deeply passionate about seeing lives transformed by the gospel. 
For more than two decades, Derwin has been regularly speaking across the country through the speaking ministry he and his wife launched called One Heart at a Time Ministries. He is the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, mission-shaped community just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's written several books, including the best-selling The Good Life, and most recently, which we talk quite a bit about today, God, Do You Hear Me? Derwin has written, God, Do You Hear Me? for people who want to experience a new level of prayer and intimacy with Jesus, and for people who struggle with prayer, for those who doubt the effectiveness of prayer, and for people who want to know if God really hears them when they pray. So in today's episode, we answer the questions, what is prayer? What's the goal of prayer? Dr. Derwin Gray breaks down Jesus's teaching on prayer, often called the Lord's Prayer, where we talk about praying in the will of God. We dive into some ways that believers misunderstand prayer, where things can get twisted, and how that affects our lives. Derwin is going to encourage you today as he reminds us that prayer is the door we enter to discover God's heart of unending grace in the home we have always wanted, the place where we can crawl into our Father's lap and find our purpose. Now here's my conversation with Dr. Derwin L. Gray. Well, Derwin, I know you just prayed, but would you, Derwin, open our podcast episode in prayer? I would. I would. It'd be my honor and privilege. So I'm going to pray for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that the love of the Father as expressed in his eternal son, Jesus, mm. uh, would just wash over us, would clothe us like a warm blanket on a cold evening, would give us life. And Father, I pray that your presence would meet our deepest hurts and our deepest longings because in your presence is joy undescribable. And Lord Jesus, uh, would you, would you meet every need that we have, not our greeds, but our needs, the need for belonging, the need for creativity, the need for uh, artistic expression and the need for your father. Mm. And so, Lord, would you would you would you just take this conversation and just season it with grace, empower it with the Spirit's presence, so that each heart and each mind would just be nourished. So, God, have Your will and have Your way in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Derwin, before we hop into conversation on prayer. I just feel led to ask, will you start by sharing the gospel of grace with the listener? I just think that maybe there is someone listening who isn't even sure who Mm. this guy Jesus is. And the thought of praying to him is maybe (laughs) overwhelming and confusing. So before we go any further, I want them to know the gift that they have been given in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, first of all, if that's you listening, I am so so glad. We're so glad that you're listening. Yeah. Um, I I didn't grow up as a follower of Christ. Um, mm. I had no idea really what the Bible was. I had no idea what this good news was. I had no idea who, who Jesus was. And so in essence, for me, I grew up poor. 
my mom was 16 when she was pregnant with my dad was 17. Both of them struggled. So my grandparents primarily raised me. I was in an at-risk environment, lots of violence, lots of dysfunction. Uh, but growing up in Texas, I knew that football uh, was my way out, whatever that meant. And so eventually I got good enough to get a football scholarship. I got a good enough to get drafted to the NFL. I had the beautiful girl, had the great career. But after three years in the NFL, it was kind of like, so this is it. Um, even though I had money and fame and those things, um, I still couldn't forgive my dad who, who abandoned me. Um, I couldn't get over being um, uh, sexually molested when I was young. Um, I couldn't think of life outside of being a football player because what would I do? My identity was so wrapped up in, in what I did. And I knew there were things I needed forgiveness for, but I didn't know that that was the case. And I literally had a teammate, his name was Steve Grant. And his nickname was the Naked Preacher because every day after practice, he would take a shower, dry off and wrap a towel around his waist. And he would ask my teammates, do you know Jesus? And in my mind, I'm going, do you know you're half naked? It was like just the strangest thing. But one day he asked me a question to change my life. He asked me, he said, uh, Rookie D. Gray, do you know Jesus? And like most people who do not know Jesus, I looked at him and said, well, I'm a good person. And he said, well, good compared to who? And that made, that began to make, make me think. And then he, he, he said, actually, no one is really good because God is the standard of good. That's why he sent Jesus to be goodness for us. Mm. And that began a five-year process of the life that I had built began to crumble. And on August 2nd, 1997, it was my fifth year in the NFL training camp. Uh, right after lunchtime, I walked back to my dorm room and I called my wife and I said, I want to be more committed to you and I want to be committed to Jesus. And the best way I can describe it is this, is I knew for the first time in my life that I was unconditionally loved by God, mm. that that. Jesus was the human face of God, that he's eternally the son of God who became a human being, that Jesus, the good news is for 33 years, he followed the 10 commandments perfectly because I couldn't, because no one could. And that on the cross, Jesus became my substitute. He took my place, died for my sin to purify me, to forgive me, to clothe me, but above all else, to show me how much I was loved. And then on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. And what that means is this, is we no longer have to fear death, but also the power that raised Jesus from the dead is now the power that lives in me. Mm. And so when I'm having this conversation with my wife, I'm just overwhelmed that Jesus, God in human flesh, would love me and would die for me. And three days after that, every night before I went to bed, I would just weep and cry to think, how can someone like Jesus love somebody like me? And that's what grace is. Grace is God saying, you've not done too much for me to love you. You haven't run too far for me to catch you. My grace will meet you where you are and then turn you into someone you never thought you could be. I grew up as a compulsive stutterer. I grew up as a person who didn't know what a pastor was. And now to be a pastor, to be an author, to 
communicate even to you, Laura Lee. Wow. You know, like only God can do those things. So, so Jesus is the world's true Lord and true King who came to earth to meet us so that we could become who he's created us to be. Amen. Good news. Good news. So, Darwin, you just wrote a book on prayer and it's called God, Do You Hear Me? So we're going to be talking a lot about prayer today. What led you to write this book? You know, uh, what what led me to write this book? Um, I think at the end of the day is prayer has so impacted my life that I want it to impact other people's lives. And then I noticed that Oftentimes, people were not actually praying. What they were doing was trying to manipulate God to do what they want him to do, or they were trying to change God's mind, or it was it was it was kind of like selfish. Give me, give me, give me. And prayer is like an invitation that Jesus gives. Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to invite you to my school of prayer. And the tuition is already paid in full. I didn't pay in money. I I paid in my blood. And and so I want to invite you into this school of prayer. And so I wrote it because I want people to learn how to pray. Prayer, prayer is God saying, I want to be with you like all the time. Like, like there's a reason why what is commonly known as the Lord's prayer starts with these words. Our father Mm. in heaven. So notice when Jesus says to pray, he doesn't start with uh, ask God for this, ask God for that. Tell God to do this. Tell God to do that. He he starts with a very relational, intimate word, our father. And uh, uh, intimacy means into me, you see. And so prayer is God saying, I want you to see my heart for you. And one of the hard things, Laura Lee, is regardless of how good our earthly fathers were, it's never what our heavenly father is. Um, The best dad I can be is a repentant dad who's always pointing his children to the perfect dad. Because no matter how good I try to be, I can never measure up. And so as a parent, that's a lot of pressure to think, I got to be like God. No, actually, you got to point them to God. Right. And so Jesus starts 2000 years ago, his disciples in Luke chapter 11, verse one, notice that Jesus is praying in a certain place. So, number one, Jesus in his humanity. And for those who are new to the faith or exploring the faith, we believe as Christians that that ultimate reality is father, son, and spirit, that God is a triune being. And Mm -hmm. Jesus, the second person of this being comes to earth to actually do and be everything that you and I could not be. You know, there's a song, you know, what if God was one of us? Well, actually, yeah, he was (laughs) Jesus of Mm -hmm. Nazareth. And so God becomes one of us to experience what we experience, but without sin. And so Jesus in his humanity, 
the scripture says he was praying in a certain in a certain place. So prayer was a rhythm for Jesus. And then his disciples say, Lord, will you teach me to pray? I just think that's utterly stunning that Jesus is probably like, yeah, I thought you would never ask. I thought you would never ask. And 2000 years later, he's looking at you and I going, I thought you would never ask. And so he starts with this beautiful framework. So if I could give it to you in these terms, right? So I'm not really an artist, although I've done a little acting, I've done a little TV, I can't draw anything, but with my words, I'm an artist a little bit. So I'll enter into the arts world. So I know you're a dancer, right? And so you have a, a choreography, right? There's a choreographer that gives you the moves. Well, the Lord's prayer is the choreography of prayer, And so it's like this beautiful framework and it starts with our father. So if we think about about it, who had a better relationship with God, the father than Jesus. Mm. And the next part of the verse says, honor your name is holy. And here's what this means. The word holy simply means to set apart. My wedding ring means I've been set apart for Vicki Gray. I've worn this ring for almost 30 years. Wow. For 30 years, that's my girl. Mm -hmm. I'm her guy. I'm set apart. So what God is saying is because of my son and the way he loved you and died for you and wants to live in you, have eyes only for me because they're going to be false lovers that try to seduce you with power, try to seduce you you with insecurity to try to seduce you with whatever right so to have god's name is holy is to have eyes for him only your kingdom come your will be done what in the world is god's kingdom god's kingdom is jesus god's kingdom looks like jesus healing a woman with the issue of blood god's kingdom looks like jesus going into samaria and saying i'm going to break down the racism between the jews and samaritans and then i'm going to meet a samaritan woman and knock down the gender barrier because women are equal to men the kingdom of god looks like jesus telling peter get from behind me satan the kingdom of god looks like jesus taking fish and loaves of a little boy and saying hey watch this i'm about to feed fifteen thousand. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus being lied on and slandered. It looks like him going to the cross to die for the sins of the world and raising again. Jesus himself is the bread of life. He's going to meet all of our needs physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, not our greeds, but our needs and our overabundance is actually for those who have have needs. And so the Lord's prayer is this choreography that describes Jesus's life. Mm. That's, that's really good. Um, Durin, what are some ways that believers misunderstand prayer? Yeah. And um, I've got the t-shirt that I could wear that says, I misunderstand prayer. (laughs) So I think, first of all, we think prayer is just talking to God all the time. When prayer is not just talking, prayer is first and foremost attuning our hearts to the divine presence of God everywhere. Mm -hmm. Prayer is not something we do. Prayer is who we are. We were made for prayer and prayer makes us. Mm -hmm. 
So even now I'm praying because my heart is attuned to wow. God's presence. Mm. Right. And so we're, we're, we're always praying because our hearts are always open asking for God's presence and his power and his provision. I'm asking for his wisdom. I'm asking that, that he would take these feeble words of mine and make them strong in people's hearts. Right. And then secondly, Prayer is also listening. And the better you know scripture, the better you're going to pray. Mm. The better you know scripture, the better you're going to pray. And by the way, God is patient, right? He, he's he's going to give you time to grow and learn. But prayer is listening and being silent. And then God begins to ricochet prayers from scripture in your soul. And um, um, in, in May 17, 2004, uh, my wife, Vicki, my best friend, the love of my life, the greatest person I know, she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. And so that first night of being diagnosed with cancer, like no one tells you like, yeah, you're not going to be able to sleep. And so we're both laying in bed crying. And in the midst of us crying, she quotes a scripture. And then I, I quoted a scripture. Then she quoted a scripture. Then I quoted a scripture and we started playing scriptural tennis. We were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And our tears of sadness turned into tears of joy. And so those scripture was prayers that we were praying, but it came out of a deep longing. It came out of a silence. It came out of a sadness. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted that in our sadness, we had a great comfort that transcended explanation and she's cancer free and, and she's, she's doing wonderful. Um, But, but yeah, you you know, prayer is not just talking. Prayer is also listening, but most importantly, prayer is an attunement to the divine presence of God and the Lord's prayer provides for us choreography so that we can dance to the rhythm of his grace. That's a beautiful analogy that, it's really easy for me to envision that as a musician and a choreographer of just the specificity of that and how it, it goes in tandem. Like you walk with him as he's speaking to you and it's an overflow mm-hmm. of that abiding in him. Hey friend, Laura here. Just stopping in to remind you about a couple of ways that you can stay up to date with the Rise Collective House here in New York City. As I have been sharing on this season, this house is a discipleship living collective that will soon be seeking out residents for year number one. If you're listening to this and you are a woman in her early 20s seeking to move to New York City in the near future and you're longing to find strong Christian community and to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I wanna encourage you to sign up on the Rise Collective House interest form. It's just a Google form, it's really quick so that I can send you more information about how you can get involved. You can find that interest form in the show description. And then if you're a woman listening who wants to join our awesome online Bible study community, you can also find a link in the show description to connect with other women and engage with our Bible studies through Rise Collective Women Online. I believe God is doing a huge work through his children here in New York City and through the women in this community all over the world. And we would love to invite you to join us. Now, back to my conversation with Dr. Derwin L. Gray.
chapter when you say that prayer is not about getting God to give us stuff. It's about mm-hmm. becoming who we were made to mm-hmm. be a reflection yeah. of Jesus in the world. Yeah. And I want to sit in that for a little bit because, um, something on this podcast season that I'm talking a lot about is my story over the past year with the unfolding of this dream and vision that God gave me and, um, his, his ability to do immeasurably more than Mm. I even ask or imagine and really seeing that his will is better than mine Mm. in the process. And, um, he's taught me a lot about prayer and I've gotten to know him through Mm. the process. And he's taught me that it, that's what it's all about. Like, even if this dream vision thing that God has given me doesn't come to fruition, that I've gotten to know God more through it. Mm-hmm. So how would you encourage the listener um, <laughs> who wants to know God, but isn't quite sure what that means when it comes to asking, not receiving, doubting, yeah, being discouraged? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let- yeah, let me uh, let me let me give an illustration first. And, and, and what you just shared, my illustration will only piggyback on what you shared, because when you pray and you don't get what you want, you actually yeah. get more. You get what you need. Mm. What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the world but lose their soul? Particularly in the West, we have a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. But we're still empty. So maybe God is going, it's really not about the stuff. It's really about knowing me so that you can take care of the stuff you got. Yeah. You know, but, but by way of, of illustration, um, you know, there, uh, I was at a leadership event and it was with other pastors and the facilitators of the conversation said, Hey, if money was not, an object and you can have anything that you want, how would you plant your church differently? And every leader gave their answer. When it came to me, I said, I don't want to play this game. And they said, why not? I said, well, because if I had everything that I needed to plant transformation church, I would not know Jesus the way I know him now. And no amount of money is worth how much I know Jesus now because I have wept with Jesus. I've seen Jesus show up and do the miraculous. I've seen Jesus overcome ways that money never, ever could. So I don't want to play the game. And they left me alone. So my point is this, (laughs) is, 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 is as you learn to walk through the Lord's prayer, let's just look, look, look at how it starts. It doesn't start with, Hey God, give me this. It starts with our father. So the father wants you to know him. Secondly, it moves to, I want to want your kingdom. Mm. Everybody listening now, if if we just pray, Father, I want your kingdom to come to earth as it is in heaven through me. Your life will be changed. You will have new adventures. You'll have new challenges. Um, God will call you to do things that are so difficult that you go, are you kidding me, God? And he goes, nope. I want to make this hard so that you can rely on me. Um, th- think about it. Then it moves to give us this day, our daily bread. Notice what it doesn't say. Uh, give, give us this day, our daily Louis Vuitton. Give us this day, our daily Gucci. Give us this day, our daily 12,000 square foot house. Now, is anything wrong with those things? No. But the point is, God is about meeting needs. 
we worry more about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're going to do than the soul. It's like we're so busy fixing our outside. We never deal with the inside. Right. And then God is going, man, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. There is there's nothing more beautiful, Laura Lee, than a person who walks in God's forgiveness. You know why? They're humble. They're secure emotionally. And they're super patient with other human beings. Why? Because that's the way God has treated them. Couldn't couldn't the world use a little bit more forgiveness, a little bit more mercy, a little bit more compassion? One of the reasons why everybody's so angry is because they don't understand forgiveness. Now, also, from a mental health perspective, not from a um, biologically, you're born with mental health. So I'm not discussing that. But environmentally, when you believe you're unforgiven, when you believe you're condemned, when you believe you have shame, depression and anxiety and social anxiety develop as well. And so God's forgiveness frees us from those things and moves us into the world to be forgivers. One of the one of the one of the things that I say is this. Um, I can forgive you, but that doesn't mean I have to be in relationship with you. I can forgive you. That doesn't mean I have to hang out with you, but forgiveness allows me to not let you hang out in my mind for free anymore. Mm. And then finally, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God doesn't lead us into temptation. What that scripture is talking about is when Jesus was baptized, Matthew 3, 17 through Matthew 4, 1 through uh, 11, Jesus was baptized. And then it says the spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. Jesus was tested in three ways by Satan. And this is the devil and dark powers greatest tool. Here it is. He tells us you are what you do. You are what others think. You are what you own. That's the only three ways the devil can mess with us are dark powers. We see that with Jesus because he tells Jesus, turn the stone into bread. And Jesus says, man may not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of God's mouth. So Jesus affirms, no, I am my, what my father says, what he's done. And then it's like, go to the kingdom, throw yourself off. I'll give you these kingdoms. And Jesus then quotes scripture. So the enemy is going to say, you know what, if you were a good mom, your kid would, would behave. You know, if you were really good, Larley, if you were really good, you'd be starring in a movie with Denzel Washington by now. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, Derwin, if, you know, if, if you were really a really good writer, you know, man, your book would have sold a million copies. You know, um, there's always these bombardments. The scene of the crime is your mind. And so the way we defeat the evil one is to wallpaper our minds with God's truth, but Mm -hmm. also to understand that when Jesus rose from the dead, he left death in a tomb and he defeated the dark powers. And so now we join Jesus in pushing back the darkness by being lights of love in our world. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that besides. Yeah, it's good. Um, okay. So unanswered prayer and defeat mm-hmm. and discouragement that comes there. I mean, the book's called 
how God, do you hear me? That Mm -hmm. question that (laughs) we often ask, um, how does even the defeat and discouragement and unanswered prayer form our hearts and align us with the heart of the father? Yeah. Yeah. So here's one of the things that we have to recognize is that disappointment, doubt, and defeat in God's economy can be reversed. Pain can be turned into purpose. And so also remember this, God is an eternal being, meaning he has no past. He has no future. He just lives in the eternal now. So past, present, future is now to him. So prayers that were prayed 5,000 years ago are now to him and simultaneously to the next prayer I'm about to pray. So here's my question. Did God not answer your prayer on your time? That's typically what it is, because I remember way back in 2000 asking God to write books, but it wasn't eight years until that happened. Right. Um, There are so many prayers that what we think is a delay is God being on time. Yeah. And then there's some prayers that God is like, nope, I ain't going to answer that because that's going to destroy you. That's mm-hmm. going to take you out. You know, when my kids were young and we'd go in the candy store, it was ridiculous. They would have just eaten candy until right. all their teeth just fell out. A good parent doesn't allow that to happen. Well, God is a good parent. And what does he say in Matthew 6? 33, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. So the issue is not God answering prayer. The issue is seeking God. Yeah. Because as we seek him, he's going to give us what we need for the journey. And how do you know if God has not answered your prayer, if you're not walking in intimate relationship with him? Yeah. Because he may actually have answered your prayer, but because you're so disconnected or I'm so disconnected, I may not even be able to see the answer to his prayer. And then sometimes we look back and go, oh, he did answer that prayer. But God's desire is more than just giving us stuff. Yeah. It's us becoming image bearers of Jesus. Yeah. That's the prayer he answers. Mm. So praying in faith And praying in surrender is something that he's really been teaching me this past year of like, yes, Mm -hmm. you have the spirit of God inside of you. You can pray with specificity and, Mm -hmm. and pray in faith, believing that he's the king of the universe. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that's too big for him, but then also praying with open hands, knowing that Mm -hmm. like, like it says in the Lord's prayer, your will be done, that Mm -hmm. he has the best interest in all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you explain the tension between the two of those things? Cause I think <laughs> some people are like, no, I don't need to pray with specificity. He's God, you know, like yeah. why? Um, you know, um, I think, I think you can do both. I think there are times and seasons of life where there is specificity, uh, particularly in give us this day, our daily bread for sure. You know, I yeah. do think we need to be, Uh, You know, specific is fine, you know, when you're interceding on behalf of folks. And sometimes it's like, God, your will be done. Like, I'm trusting you to handle this. And so I don't think it has to be an either or. I think it's a both and. But one thing that I do want to discuss is this aspect of faith. Right. So first of all, faith means trust and allegiance. Mm. 
So it's Jesus, I'm trusting you to fulfill your will in my life. And when you show me what your will is, I'm going to walk by faith for you to do, do that. And walking by faith is simply saying, I'm tr- trusting you. Like case in point, you and I got on Zoom and I trusted that it's going to work. I'm trusting that this chair is going to hold me up. And so uh, in Luke and also I believe the gospel of Mark, uh, there's a text that says, I think it's Luke 7 and maybe Mark 6 that talks about um, Jesus was in awe of a Gentile's faith, that there was a Gentile, a non-Jew, and Jesus goes, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel, and he was in awe of their faith. But then Jesus, in his hometown, was in awe of their lack of faith. Yeah. And so I think it's important for us that the more we know who Jesus is, the greater that we can trust Jesus. I don't Don't just trust Jesus to get you a job. Trust Jesus to make you holy, too. Don't just trust Jesus to get your dream. Trust Jesus to help you walk in what I call worship abstinence. Don't just trust Jesus to uh, this is the dream house I want. Trust Jesus to make you his holy temple as well. It's a both and. Mm, It's a both and. He's in the business of healing us and making us new. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's often painful. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge C.S. Lewis fan. Huge. And so the second Chronicles of Narnia, I can't remember like Caspian, maybe, I don't know. I'm not sure, but uh, there was a kid in the movie who got turned into a dragon because of his greed. Eunice. Yeah. Eunice. Yeah. Because of his greed. Right. And then Aslan showed up and Aslan eventually healed him of his greed and he turned back into a boy. And when he was describing what happened, he said, when Aslan touched me, it hurt. Yeah. But it was a good hurt. And when God heals us of our attachments to things that are going to destroy us, it hurts. But it's a good hurt as a dancer. Right. Man, it hurts to be a professional dancer. Like you're, you're, it hurts. Like you don't get good, not hurting Right. on the spiritual life. There are things that are going to be hurt, but it's a good hurt because we're getting stronger and our spiritual muscles are growing. Derwin, you say that prayer is the door we enter to discover God's heart of unending grace. We talked about that a little bit. And then prayer is the home we have always wanted where we can crawl into our father's lap and find our purpose. And I love the two of those things right next to each other because there's that comfort and that fatherly love and um, just like a safe place to be our authentic selves. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also that pairing of the activation of like finding our purpose. Like Mm -hmm. I I love the rest and the purpose. Uh, Will you expand on both of those things a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. You you know, um, so being 50 years old now and I have a daughter that is 25, a son that's 21. And Uh and so I've, I've been around the block a little bit now, um, which, which is kind of cool. You know, you get some experience and I can't run as fast anymore, but don't really need to. <laughs> um, 
but it's one of these things, the older you get, the more you come to realize that all of us are just sixth graders on the first day of middle school trying to find our locker. Oh, wow. I mean, we are just trying to find our locker. And what I mean by that is when my grandmother was dying of cancer and she's very, very important to me. No one could soothe me. But God, the father, when I've gone through my deepest pain and I've been on my face flat at three in the morning, weeping and crying out of the bed because I don't want to wake my wife up. Only crawling into the father's lap can give me peace. And so there are situations and circumstances in life where you don't realize that all you need is God until all you have is God. Mm. And so that's what I mean by that prayer is the door we enter into that we can crawl up into our father's lap. He's going, listen, I know you're trying to find your locker. I want you to sit on my lap. Let me speak words of affirmation over you. Let me speak words of love over you and let me take you. And when you get to your locker, I'm going to unlock your purpose because I'm your creator. I know what you've been created for. And what we've been created for is love, to love God and to love our neighbors. We love ourselves. And what's great about that is if you're a professional dancer, you can do, do that. If you fly airplanes, you can do that. If you're a yeah. former NFL player, you can do that. All of life is God's playground to express his love through his people. And prayer is like this, this furnace that is always burning this, this love so that we can be empowered to love. It's mm. good. You know, Derwin, I was just thinking about, um, I told you a little bit about this dream that God has given me for a space of discipleship where people live in community. And I would just love to ask you, what role do you think prayer plays in the body of Christ, like in our relationships and community? Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, you know, um, Imagine holding your breath. Okay. If you if you hold your breath and you can't breathe, you're gonna you're eventually gonna die, right? Yeah. Well, that's what it's like trying to be a disciple in community without prayer. It's literally wow. suffocating yourself. Prayer is the oxygen of our lungs that allow us to breathe. A prayerless people are powerless people. And a prayerful people are a powerful people. Prayer, uh, a Christian who doesn't pray is an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> there's nothing jumbo about a shrimp. And, you know, prayer, prayer is not a have to. Prayer is a get to. And I think when you understand God's grace, then you move prayer from something I have to do to prayer is a way of being in the world. It's the, it's the choreography that God gives us rhythm to dance to his grace. Hmm. That's good. Well, to close us out, um, I'm all about application, like for the person listening. Now, what, what are they going to do with what they heard today? What's one practical application you would give them to grow in prayer? 
Yeah. Uh, what I would say is this, the way you grow in prayer. Now, Laura Lee, this is deep right here. You may want to write. I'm ready. Down. I'm ready. You ready? Yes. The way you grow in prayer is to start Pray. praying. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, seriously. So kind of the way it works for me is in the shower. Um, I cite the Lord's prayer at noontime. I cite the Lord's prayer. And then at night um, I read from memory. Psalm 23 is my prayer. And I, I say, Lord, um, may these scriptures be fulfilled in me, my wife, my kids, Transformation wow. Church, the church and the world. And then throughout the day, I'm also praying like, Father, show me your love in Christ by the spirit. Lord, there are so many temptations trying to pull my heart from you, but your name is holy. Draw me back to you. And Lord, I want your kingdom to be expressed through me. Even when people are mad at me, when people lie about me, when people betray me, I want to display the character of Christ, the power of Christ. Lord, give me your power to heal this baby that's sick. And Lord, man, I got kids in college. It's expensive, but you know what I need. And I trust you, Lord, in COVID with mental health and fatigue, I need your energy. Oh, Father, I'm feeling condemnation. Remind me of the blood. Remind me there's no condemnation in Christ. Mm. And Lord, may I forgive those who hurt me. And Father, may I walk in the resurrection power of Jesus that defeated death, that broke the chains of sin, and that is pushing back the darkness with your light of love. Mm. And so all throughout the day, we're praying, you know, so that's something practical. Another practical thing is uh, by my book, uh, God, do you hear <laughs> Hear, hear me, read it with three friends. Their questions after every chapter. Mm. Also something to think about and just application points. Like I want to be a part of a generation that prays with such passion and sincerity of heart that the father, son, and spirit look over the edge of eternity and go, do you hear that? Listen to our children. They actually believe we can part the Red Sea still. Mm. Wow. And I just think about the part of the prayer where it says your kingdom come and what yeah. an impact that will have uh, Derwin yes. on a generation that is really prioritizing, Lord, we want your kingdom to come over anything else. Um, mm -hmm. So thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you for your message and um, God's message, but for reminding us of this today and um, just for your encouragement. Uh I want to close by, I just think maybe there's someone listening who just needs some strength and hope who mm. feels really down and discouraged today. So yeah. what's just one word of encouragement that you would give them? Yeah. Well, the first thing is if I could give you a hug, I would, because mm. I know, I know how hard life is. Yeah. Um, and I want to encourage you with, 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 with this is that in your pain, God weeps with you. So go ahead and grieve it. Grieving is a good thing. But as you're grieving, always remember this, your trauma will never be greater than Jesus's triumph for you. Amen. Call his name, cling to him, trust him, and watch him do what he does best, transform lives. Thank you so much, Derwin. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. It's such a blessing. 
Thank you, Larley, and continued success. And I can't wait to hear about the uh, communal discipleship and all the great things God's going to continue to do in you and through you. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you ever come up to New York, um, give me a shout. (laughs) Will do. Appreciate you. Keep up the wonderful work. Thanks for listening, friend. If you haven't already, be sure and subscribe to the podcast, Living in the Light with Laura Lee, and help other people find the show by leaving a rating and a review. If you're loving the show and are encouraged today, would you share the episode with a friend? People love a good recommendation, and some of my favorite podcasts have been ones that people just shoot me a text and say, you should listen to this today. Oftentimes, it turns out that God speaks to us exactly what we need to hear that day. He's always moving in the details. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week to continue sharing the unfolding of this story. I'm going to end by reading the theme of this season, Ephesians 3, verses 20 through 21, and I'll close us in prayer. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We worship you and bless you today for who you are, for your character, for the fact that you sent Jesus, God, to earth, God incarnate. You sent him here to be a human being, to live a sinless life. God, you knew that he would have to die on the cross, God, and he took that place for us so that we could have relationship with you, God, and we praise you. We praise you that you've forgiven us, God, that by grace, through faith, we've been saved, Lord. And so I pray, God, for the woman on the other side of this podcast, man or woman, whoever's listening, God, if they haven't asked you to come into their heart to save them, to be with you for eternity, Lord, I pray that you just come near them right now, God, that they experience freedom in Christ for the first time. And God, for all those listening who are scared, nervous, don't think that you hear them, God, I just pray that you speak to them right now that they feel the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. God, we thank you that because of Jesus, we have access to you, our heavenly father, that we get to talk to you, commune with you, walk with you every second of every day of our lives. God, we thank you for prayer. It is unimaginable how much you love us, God, how much you have in store for us, immeasurably more. And we believe you, God. We believe you and we trust you. And I trust you for every story on this podcast, for every person that's listening in their stories, God. We have faith. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to give a big thank you to Colleen Bruton, my friend and podcast producer who works with me and partners with me behind the scenes to make this podcast what it is and to help bring it to your ears each week. I also want to thank Mike Stapleton for the music that's heard on the podcast. Go in light and in love, and I'll talk to you next week.